Hi, this is Diane Franklin, and you're listening to Stamper Cinema. That was so good. Wait, I'm going to do one more. Wait, I'm going to do this. Bonjour, this is Diane Franklin, and you are listening to Stamper Cinema. Ooh. Cheers. You are listening to Diane Franklin and uh, Stamper Cinema. Uh, yeah, you're my hero. <laughs> Yay. And now, the intro music. Greetings and welcome to Stamper Cinema. As always, I am your host. My name is Andrew. Thank you very much for listening to this little podcast. And as a treat, that's right, ladies and gentlemen, we've got Diane Franklin as today's guest. And I am so excited to share this interview. Full disclosure, this interview that you're about to hear was recorded a couple months ago. Now I've been sitting on it for a little for a little bit for two reasons. One, because I'm so proud of it. I really wanted to take the time for for editing and making sure that everything sounded good. Most importantly, that I sounded somewhat coherent. Number two, August is a huge month for Diane Franklin. We've got a brand new movie that she's in that is being released on the 16th, which at the time of release of this episode, that's today. So today is the release date of her new film, which is Ted Bundy, American Boogeyman. And next week on August the 23rd commemorates the anniversary of my all-time favorite film that she appeared in, and that would be Better Off Dead. If you are new to Diane Franklin, uh, a quick rundown on her her IMDb uh, credits. She was in Better Off Dead, Last American Virgin, Terror Vision, uh, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, How I Got Into College, among many, many other credits. But you're going to absolutely fall in love with her all over again. She's incredible. So on with the show. Let me first and foremost say thank you very much for taking the time out of your schedule to chat with me. This it, It's... It's an honor. So thank you. Thank you very much. And You're the most welcome. And I, again, I, uh, you know, I must say thank you for remembering or watching or loving the movies, you know, that I have done and other a- actors have done during this time period, uh, because it's not a given to be remembered. I really think every time somebody says they love the film, they love the films that I was in um, or they loved my acting in something. Uh, it really means a lot to me because I don't take it for granted, you know, so thank you for I'd like to know what movies you liked. So, well, well, I think this will be this will be this will be fun then because of the fact that I this week um, I was introduced to a couple films that I that I wasn't necessarily too aware of, but I knew you very very well through. Well, rather, I knew your characters very well through a Better Off Dead, which is a movie that I've watched just about three or four times a year since 1986. Oh wow. And, yeah, I mean, it's, that's a lot. Okay. Yeah, I, uh, I, it's very nice. Thank you, Andrew. Very nice for you to say this. Hey, um, yeah, it's, it, I think it might have been something I mentioned just reaching out to you, but without hyperbole, Better Off Dead is just literally among my, like, one of my all time favorite films that it's just, I, and I'll, I'll probably bring up some of the reasons why I love the movie, but it's just a movie that resonated with me at a very young age and, Everything about it was great. And of course, 
you know, uh, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, which I've got a couple questions because there, there are just a couple things that um, have kind of perplexed me over time and very, mm-hmm. very simple things. It's just kind of like character name versus were you with Bill or were you with Ted? Things nice. like that, because it seems like in canon, the, the characters have gotten kind of backwards, or at least the hair color of the characters have gotten backwards. Mm-hmm. Um, and just, all right, well, I'll, I'll help you with that. All, all of right, this. Thank you. Thank you. And then how I got into college was the 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 other film around that same time you know because i was a big you know uh savage steve holland you know fan so everything that he was doing at that time i'm like i I need to watch everything i'm so glad you said that because that film um he you know he did a couple of films and uh by the way i'm so glad you said you're better off uh dead fan because also i'm writing a book right now about better off dead wonderful so um, I'm, I've been saying that I was trying to get it out like a, a year ago. And then when pandemic hit, I was like, no, that's not the right timing. And now I'm I'm working. I'm still working on it because I'm still getting great information and great things for the book. But I have to tell you that anybody who loves Better Off Dead, you're going to really love this book because it yeah. is I've, I, what happened. It started. um because a fan uh, when when I went to these I do go to signing conventions and I went to a signing convention where a guy. I always bring my better off dead coat. I have the original coat that I wore in that film. And I thought, wouldn't it be cool if people got to wear it and take pictures with me? Because it's sort of like um, wearing a piece of history, right? And if they love the film, it's like, oh my gosh, I'm wearing Monique's coat. This is like super cool. And it works with both men and women. So it, it also is awesome that way. So this guy says to me, you know, you have these pictures of all these people with the coat on. He said, um, you know, we take pictures. It would be really cool to put it in a book. And I went, oh. Oh my gosh, that's a great idea. So um, I am taking these pictures from conventions of people wearing them, um, but then it grew into like, well, what it is, you know, what things are there about Better Off Dead? Like I can put in there because honestly, it is my favorite film. I love that film. And so I thought, all right, let's make this love beloved um, tribute to the film. So it should be coming out this year. So if people stay in touch with me on social media, I'll let you know. But I'm so glad you say, because then you'll you'll love this book, too. Yeah, I'll be all over it. I just uh, I just finished reading your I don't know if it was your first book, but uh, it seemed like the first of a pair anyway. So I I just finished Mm -hmm. reading that that first book. Oh, good. I I guess was published in maybe 2012. Yeah, that was the first book. And, And I hope that it gave you a good overview of who I am, because, again, you know, I don't take for granted people know who I am. So when if if anybody picks it up, I want them to feel like they've been in the 80s. When they look at this book, like they they've kind of at least been in the 80s through my perspective and what it's like to be an actor, how to get how do you get there to star in films and all that. I know from from the from the read, well, uh, a ton of hard work is what it seemed to be for you just, you know, from where from where you started when you first got that bug. I believe in the book you mentioned, like around like the age of four was when you first got like that, that bug and it just kind of developed and then you got into the modeling industry and then, you know, got, uh, and it just evolved into, into acting and everything of that nature. And then also within the book, just kind of, I don't know if necessarily hero or role model is the right word, but, or maybe a level, a form of inspiration or somebody like a peer, but just even when you're talking about Brooke Shields and things of like that nature within that, I thought that was 
I thought that was really interesting. I think the whole book was really, really well done. And thank you. I, I, yeah, I knocked it out. I, in, I don't know, a couple hours. I mean, I was just like, all right, let's keep going. Let's just keep well, going. You know, that's the point of like, when I have, when I made the book, I wanted it to be like um, fun and upbeat. I mean, the title is super long, you know, it's the last American French exchange babe of the eighties, you know, like the excellent adventures of the last American French exchange babe of the eighties. So obviously, you know, I, I wanted it to be sort of make, put a smile on your face, even as you're saying it so that you get the feeling. Um, and then it should be like, you know, candy, you read through it because you're interested, not because like, you know, I I know when I read something, I like to, I like to read it and like, uh, it's hard to put a book down, you know, I mean, some, some books, obviously novels, but for an autobiography, I thought, well, you know, you're going to read it, then you're going to look back, you might have your favorite section, there might be, you know, you might read it out of order and look at pictures. So I thought, um, uh, I just thought it was something that, again, I don't think a lot of actors I don't know, do like, I mean, it is definitely um, just like my, my book, it required a lot of work and it takes to uh, like, you don't give up. Like, uh, mm -hmm. you know, like it's sort of a funny thing, you know, the story about the tortoise and the hare, right? Yeah. So I'm kind of like both because I've lived my life, like the hare, like from one thing to another, one film to another, like hop and do this and do that. But then the tortoise is part of me is like, keep moving forward, mm -hmm. which is what, being an enter entertainer actor really takes, you know, you cannot give up on yourself or you cannot, you cannot lose hope, you know? So that's part of what the book is helping people realize <laughs> you'll get there if you work hard, you know? Absolutely. Um, it reminds me when just when you're talking a little like tortoise in here reminds me of I'm, I'm kind of going a little bit all over, but this is gonna be very organic because I, I, I really do have like a billion questions I would love just to just to go into. But it just when you were just mentioning like tortoise and hare and you're a little bit more like a hare, it reminds me of this quote that from Better Off Dead that first Curtis Armstrong says, but you you repeat later on in the film, which is go that way really fast if something gets in your way, turn. And that's always been kind of like a weird little, little like mantra of mine. I have it like as email signatures and in the movie, it, it means something a little bit different, but in a like kind of like philosophical way, I, I love this idea of committing yourself a hundred percent to something. And then if, you know, if there is a detour that comes along, adapt. Yes, and, yes. and that's just something that, like I said, it's just something that I've carried with me my entire life, which is, you know, commit, commit, commit something, you know, gets in your way, adapt. Yeah. Just adapt. And uh, boy, this year taught us to do that for sure. Yeah. <laughs> you mm -hmm. know, we're going to come back. Um, but I will say that brings up another thing about Better Off Dead, the quotes. So yeah. many quotes, so many memorable, hilarious quotes that you can use daily. I mean, people have come up to me at conventions and they've said to me, you know, so many of the things that were in the movie and, you know, it just comes up. I mean, it's kind of it's just funny how, you know, certain phrases from the film become part of people's lives. Mm -hmm. You know, it's very fun. So I, I make a reference to that in the book as well. Do you? What is the the line that people throw at you more than anything? Well, the first thing, obviously, is I want my $2. Absolutely. Okay. <laughs> That's the first thing that comes out of their mouth. They're like, I want my $2, you know, so and I think it just because it's just it's it's such a, it's one wonderful running gag in the film. And um, I think it it. It actually, uh, it came up actually this year when uh, during the pandemic and, the, and politics and all this stuff, people were using it, you know, as a joke, an inside joke to other people who know the film, you know, and they were using it sort of like a social media uh, meme, I guess, or something, you know, so it's just it's it's just a gift like to be around and see how a film that I did like in the 80s is still 
talked about today and mm-hmm. used in social media. And I'm, I feel so lucky because a lot of actors who were, you know, I mean, much older, obviously they never had, you know, the internet. And so they never saw their films again or their films disappeared or that, you know, their TV episodes, they disappeared. So it's a really special time in acting and performing that actors get to see their work from a long time ago. Yeah. Uh, sorry, just went down like memory lane. Thinking, no, I like, love some, it. I love it. Yeah. No, I mean, that's what this is about. I mean, I mean, I hope this is bringing up ideas from, the, you know, thoughts for the audience, like about when they were a kid and they would watch the films and how it affect them. Like, you know, I did this movie, um, like the last American Virgin and people love this movie. And, um, my second book was kind of, is sort of devoted to that book. Um, but it was the first movie that had dark curly hair. And that was like, I mean, that was kickstarted the eighties curl trend, curly hair trend, the perms and everything. So it's a very cool book to see, but, um, that it's interesting how movies affect our lives. And then obviously life affects movies. So it's, it's mm-hmm. back and yeah. forth. In both Better Off Dead and Last American Virgin, both of those stories are somewhat semi-autobiographical, like for the, for the, like the, for the writers as yes. well, right? Oh, thank you for noticing that. Yes. Uh, I've actually worked for, okay, so Better Off Dead, Last American Virgin, and Terror Vision, although like I'm just bringing that up because are all by, were films where there was a writer-director. And I love working for writer directors because they have the vision of their films and there's not too many people in the soup. You know what I mean? Like they just they they write it and then they have a vision of how to direct it. And I I just think the story comes out cleaner and it's it's just more heartfelt. So um, that's one of the things I I like about independent films and, you know, people who like come with their passion. But anyway, I'm sorry. I I just wanted to bring that up because it's fascinating that yes, those three, three of those films, actually I did a a few more people who wrote and direct, like I did Amityville Murders more recently, and that was a writer director also. So bravo for you, those who can write and direct your own material. I like it. (laughs) Yeah. So yeah, I want to kind of I want to talk a little better off dead. I want to talk a little Bill and Ted. I want to talk a little Terror Vision. I, uh, so both Terror Vision and Last American Virgin were movies that I just watched this week for the first time. Here in Atlanta, we're really lucky that we still have a not just existing, but a thriving local video store. And oh, my called, gosh. Yeah. Yay. Mm-hmm. I, I want to come. I'm coming to coming there right now. Please. Coming to Atlanta. We, <laughs> you know, we've got, we have like we've we have movie conventions and things like that all the time. So next time, come, next time uh, something's going going on in Atlanta, please come. Well, here's the thing, by the way, fans, if you would like actors or, you know, you'd like me, but any actor you like, contact these conventions. They need to hear from the patrons. That's when they bring people in. So if you have a, you know, if you go to a convention or you like a convention, please say, you know, oh, we'd like to have Diane Franklin here, you know, because it makes a difference because that's who they listen to. So, um, but Done. yeah, I want to come there. I want to go to Georgia. It's a good place. It's a good place. But where was I going? Yeah. Oh, oh, um, so... Should I forget? Terror Vision. Um, you said Terror Vision. Um, and you just watched last, them. Yeah. So <laughs> both uh, just saw Terror Vision and Last American Virgin. Wow. Um, that's different, right? Yeah, Two different, totally different entirely stories. Entirely different, <laughs> different vibes. Uh, so I've got a couple questions about those. Okay. Um, but to first start off with Better Off Dead. Obviously, you know, for, for those that have seen this, wonderful. And for those that haven't, shame on you. But you Watch play it. the the absolutely lovable French foreign exchange student Monique. And from your, from your uh, autobiograph, uh, 
autobiography, autobiography. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. you mentioned a little bit of like the origin story of your, your French accent, which you kind of discovered on a trip to, I think it was Montreal when you were younger. And I'm kind of yeah. curious what, what, what happened during that trip? Like, how did you like, you know, was it just meeting the people that you kind of were mimicking and speaking your own little like French gibberish or how did that, what was the inception of, of Monique's voice? It was so funny. Um, That particular experience was, okay, I went to Montreal and I was, I remember sitting around the pool with my parents, like on a vacation. And I was probably 10. I sat around and, or nine or so, I think 10. And all these women were talking like this, they were, uh, you know, ah, uh, bonjour, how are you? you But they spoke English and French and I just was, I just fell in love with the sound. It was so incredible. So then after, like, after we went to the pool, I started talking to my parents, I think in gibberish. Bonjour. I'm making up stuff, you know? And I was just like, you know, oh, I know, I talk like this and uh, very nice. And, uh, you know, I just spoke in a in gibberish. I would say have to be gibberish, but it was not making fun. It was in love with it. I wanted to sound like that. Um, and that actually inspired me to take French in school because, you know, middle school, you have to pick a language. Um, so I took French in school. And then after that, I actually actually did a movie called Second Time Lucky. And that was the first movie I ever did dialects in pretty much. Yeah, that was the first film I did dialects in. And the why I did them was because I this film that I was in, I had to time travel uh, to different time periods. And I played diff. I played. Uh, it was about Adam and Eve, but I played Eve in many different versions of Eve. And it was, uh, you know, a a British Eve and a, um, you know, a, what do you call it? Um, like, you know, a 1920s like Eve, like who talks like this and, um, and the French Eve, I played the, like a Florence Nightingale, not Nightingale character. And, uh, so I played all these different characters, but I would not have had the freedom to do it if it wasn't an independent film, because I had so much, I had kind of had freedom of creating the characters and I think that if it was something that was a studio run film, it would be much more hands on and it would be much more like, oh, don't try that dialect, just do your own voice, you know? So I really think what's exciting as an actor is to be able to do films and then experiment and try. So from that film, that's what gave me the confidence to come in as Monique for this, for Better Off Dead, because when I came back, I got the script and I thought, and it's so funny, I thought, I looked at the script and I thought, well, they want me to come as a French girl because I just played a French girl. But no, they had no idea I even did a French girl. The film hadn't come out yet. Um, I think it was just in my mind, like, I want to play Monique. I totally get Monique. And I, I was read um, for our other characters in the film. So, but I, then I asked, I, I, can I talk like this? Can I, can I play this character? I want to audition for you. And I improv- improvised. Uh, for Savage and and started doing the lines and they just were blown away because I think that just it takes a lot of uh, guts, confidence to just go in and say, nope, I'm I'm just going to be the character. I'm going to try. I'm just going to be. Mm-hmm. So um, they laughed and then they said, OK, it was it was just very cool. So you'll see in the story in the book, I have some really cool details about it. it's really fun. But anyway, there's the answer, I think, to your question. <laughs> Wonderful. I'm, I'm really looking forward to this book. I really am. I will also say that 
And, you know, like, because I saw this movie before the internet, when I saw that movie, I just assumed you were French. You know, I was six years old at the time. Right, right. (laughs) And a few years later, my world got flipped upside down when I'm like, oh, no, no, she's not French. She's English in uh, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. And then, you know, just it seemed like two weeks later that I saw, uh, you know, I got into college and like, no, 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 no. This is actually just just a regular old American chick. Uh, that's right. Uh, voices. <laughs> so thank you for messing with my, my tween age mind of like, just no, 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 no. This is just actually a really great actress that can do different dialects. Thank you so much. Um, and, uh, you know, Bill and Ted's, uh, that was done actually pretty close to, um, I think, I think I did it actually after Terrorvision, but they didn't release it until 1989. Um, But yeah, I always, as an actress, I really like to surprise the people who watch my work. I think that's part of the fun of of watching films, you know, you see somebody, we, we, today we know so much about people behind the, you know, scenes, you know, the relationships, you know, how many kids they have, how, you know, you know, where they went to school, like whatever, you know, but I think the most important thing is we get lost in the story. And I always enjoyed watching actresses who went outside their comfort zone and who, who performed um, and who got into just created these different characters, body and voice completely. So I really enjoyed, I enjoyed that personally. And I thought, okay, that's what I want to do as an actress, you know? And, and, you know, so it's not to say that other people, if you, if you can, you play yourself and you play a part and you can, you know, and that's your thing. That's just a a different kind of, you know, actress, you know, different kind of style, but this is what turns me on being able to play all kinds of different voices and characters and have different experiences emotionally. Um, that it still makes me excited. <laughs> yeah. Now a few minutes ago, you had said earlier that you believe better off dead. No, I'm shoot. I don't, I don't have like recorded, but I think you said that was like your, like your, your favorite movie that you had done. What specifically about that movie do you think is why that's your favorite? Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, it's interesting because I've only recently, I mean, I love Better Off Dead the most, but that's not to say I don't have a love and a fondness for other films, but for different reasons. So, um, but the reason why I love Better Off Dead, I'd have to say it's my favorite movie is because, well, the experience of doing it was wonderful. Working with those other actors was just awesome. It's a comedy, it's upbeat, it's really fun. But the main reason is because my role was the most, uh, was an excellent role model for girls. It was just, I just think it was something that um, I'd never been able to play a character that I would say, watch this movie and you should be like this person. (laughs) Like it's a really great character. I think that Monique was an inspiring character, um, especially in the mid eighties. And even today, like, um, look, I mean, films, we go back and forth with how women are portrayed, how girls are portrayed. Uh, you know, are they the object of a situation or are they people, fully formed people, uh, capable, you know? And this is one of the things I liked about the character was Monique's character was a capable girl. She could do things on her own. And she, I mean, obviously she inspired, you know, Lane to do things as well. It just, it just made me feel really um, happy to portray a character that was so, um, I have to say, a role model for an American girl. 
even though she was French, right? Yeah. Do I have yeah. to become French to become a role model? I don't know. <laughs> we have to change it. But um, yeah, no, it was kind of interesting that, you know, she, that character was so like, she could be athletic, she skied and she fixed the car and, uh, but she could also be feminine and, you know, have like get dressed up and go for, you know, dinner. Um, and she wasn't afraid to speak her mind, um, except uh, when it came to Ricky. <laughs> I think. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I am in a complete agreement, but then you also hear like these, these, these terms that get like kind of like thrown out that almost seem like kind of like a little bit like a four letter term, you know, where people like start throwing out like ingenue or mm -hmm. manic pixie dream girl, like type roles that the, that, you know, because of the fact that in better off dead, obviously we're, we're tracking lane and, you know, we've essentially have this girl that fixes his car and, uh, fixes his confidence and fixes it, you know, fixes his like skiing ability. But so when people want to, I don't know, like be negative and, and throw out like these terminologies, it, it's mm -hmm. just one of those things where I'm like, but characters like Monique and some of these characters from, from other films are so much more than that. I don't necessarily have a question, but when we, we talk about yeah. like, women within film, it, it's something that, that I do think about that. It almost seems like there's this inherent need for people to bring down female roles even though that there's something incredibly uplifting and inspiring inspiring and, well yeah. here look at this okay if you have a, a female role that is um, usually okay if you had a girl who is downtrodden and sad and a guy comes to her rescue okay then the girl is sort of like she i mean she'll fall in love but but the guy and I don't know, people can discuss this, too, um, would kind of try to rescue her. But in Better Off Dead, Monique comes to Lane's help, you know, comes sort of to help him. But he has to do it himself. He has to pick himself up. He has to ski the K-12 and he has to get, um, you know, he has to decide then, you know, where his affection is going to be on his own. It's not like, the you know, it's like he's he's got to become a man. Mm -hmm. So I think it's interesting. The film sort of it has a lot of levels to it, um, but it is that Monique inspires him. And maybe, you know, when you like somebody, you tend to go, yeah, I, I can do this. And you get the confidence. Um, but ultimately, you know, the the boy, the guy in this film picks himself up and does it. But do they do that to women? Do, if, if a guy lifts a girl up, does she then stand up for herself? Mm -hmm. I don't know. That's a I don't know. I can't think of a movie that that does that. Uh, you know, yeah. it is an interesting question. But I would say this, the 80s were definitely a time where women, um, I know the adult women that I was looking up to during that time, there was like, oh, Dolly Parton, it was nine, there was nine to five, there was Holly mm. Hunter, all the films that were going on there, Deborah Winger, um, I'm just trying to think of the yeah. like the strong female role models. That was a time period where women like were getting they were like had gotten some college education and now they were going on to their careers and women in real life in the 80s were also doing this they were like finishing college going to school but it was the first time where like all the moms of those those girls in the 80s were like don't go back to the kitchen go get a job go get a career don't don't do what we did in the 50s like don't come don't you know just be the wife and so we were very, it was, I, as an actress, remember looking at the whole situation thinking, why would I just want to stay home? Of course, I want to go and get a job. Of course, I'm going to get paid equally. Of course, I'm going to, 
you know, make my own money. I have to take care of myself. You know, like I, I can do that. But I didn't know as a young person that that wasn't the world. And when I started working in the 80s and as an actress working and making my own money and, you know, doing that, that was huge for for and all of us. Even I'm going to say like, you know, Demi Moore, Brooke Shields, um, Lizanne Falk, you know, uh, uh, oh my goodness. Like all of us, like all of us were models acting Ali Sheedy. We were all working, but the idea of making your own money at that age and, and supporting yourself was huge. So we kind of set up where and, and ethnicity was brought in where like that wasn't something in the seventies with very blonde, straight hair. I got this dark curly hair that brought some more ethnicity into the world. Then there was flash dance and dirty dancing and all that curly hair brought a little bit of more ethnic acceptance and the acceptance of beauty. Like, can't you be beautiful even if you don't look like every like the American beach girl, whatever, you know? So um, I remember um, another a big thing was I did this movie of the week called Summer Girl. Diane Lane was supposed to play it. She had that beautiful, straight, blonde hair. She turned it down and then they uh, the producer got me in on it. And she was like, you know, I believe in Diane. I want Diane to play this role. And I didn't look like the typical beach girl, but they, the producer believed in me so much because she had experienced the lack of ethnic acceptance, I guess. And truly America is about all ethnicities. I mean, right. you know, this is what makes it so awesome. We, we have such a rich, beautiful culture of life. I mean, we learn from everyone and I, it, will con- it continues that way. And I really believe this is what makes our country really special. And being in a child who's just born in America, um, I was born here. I'm the first generation American. I have to say that's like that's what's so attractive to me about being here in this country. So it's fascinating for me to see like how that developed uh, women's rights, ethnicity growing. Um, but that stemmed in the eighties. So I don't know. It's a very long answer to your question. I don't no, know if I went off, I but it. it gives you an idea of how film uh, again, film affects uh, you, you know, our culture and how we affect it as well. Yeah, no, uh, thank you. Thank you for that answer. Um, and it wasn't long winded at all. I, I, I loved it. You can, you can just speak for forever as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> oh, don't say that. <laughs> My but... audience members who know me going, Oh no, don't tell her that. <laughs> You mentioned you mentioned some girl, summer girl that uh, that had Kim Darby, Kim Darby, right from yes. from that oh. off dead. Oh, so fun. Okay, so the, for those of you who don't know, Summer Girl was the CBS movie of the week. Um, it is actually, I think, online on YouTube, and you can watch it for oh, free, okay. Okay. which is kind of fun. Yeah, we forget that things are on YouTube. People copy it, whatever. But um, uh, what I really liked about that film was, okay, first of all, um, that. Uh, you got a little background with Diane Lane as well, but also I was, I, I also, which is interesting is when I did that film, I, again, nobody really knew who I was, but then my name was kind of, I was starring in it, which was, which is just like the entertainment business. It's fascinating how like it's word behind the scenes, word begets word from person to person. Like, oh, this is the up and coming person. You got to give this person the role. So, so I, I did this film and um, it's about a babysitter that is 
you hire her and you think she's really sweet, but then she turns out to be a nightmare. And I, I'm a nightmare because I'm schizophrenic in the movie. And I have essentially kidnapped the kids, seduced the husband and drug the mom. Okay. So um, Barry Bostwick played the dad and he is a lovely man. We, we have seen each other since, and he's great. Um, And Kim, Kim, the poor woman, she's, she's pregnant in the film. And I, Actually, you know, I'm drugging her and it's like it's serious drama. It's like, you know, um, I actually got nominated. Um, I was up for a nomination for uh, that role because it was so heavy duty. And then lo and behold, a few years later, I find out that Kim is in Better Off Dead. And here's this lighthearted, funny comedy where she is now saying to me, you know, Monique, would you like some French bread, French, you know, French fries, French dressing or Peru, you know? <laughs> And we were like, oh, what is this? this is just lovely and so funny. And she is the sweetest woman. Uh, but it, we get along really, really well. So it was just a dream to work with her again. Just when you were talking about about her, about her character, I guess it's also one of the things I love about this movie is just the the absurdity of of this movie. I mean, this movie is just so like surrealist, right? I mean, whether it's the the paper boy or the Korean drag racing. Uh, team where one of them learned English from watching Howard Cosell or <laughs> Curtis Armstrong's weird yeah. drug habits so of just snorting random things like like a snow or Jello. Um, just I think why I love the movie is just some of the just some of the nonsensical humor and mm-hmm. you know Kim Darby making food with raisins that's going to slide off of a plate. It, it's it's insanity, and I love every bit of that. Although the movie, from what like from what from research, it seems like it was prop, uh, profitable. It seemed like initially it was a little mixed critically, but it seems to definitely have found its audience as mm. time has gone mm-hmm. on, which I think is wonderful. Um, the film I have to say is okay. First of all. When the film came out, there was nothing like it. There was not even like Nickelodeon. There was nothing that creative, artistic. Because, okay, this film, when if you know, even like the idea of when Savage had pitched it, it has animation in it and claymation. And it's in a movie for teenagers, but not like, you know, kids can watch it too, but it deals with suicide. So You've got this mix of like a serious subject, but it is the style is like a cartoon-esque. It's a little cartoony. Um, And because Savage was an animator, you know, he just saw the world in a different way. And I have to say that, I mean, I think anybody, I found that people who love art love this movie because they're very creative people. And all of a sudden they see this movie and they go, wow, I I've imagined things too. And all of a sudden, like he's put this in a movie and he mixed his mixes it all up together. Um, I've, I've seen the, the movie has been described to me as, um, you know, obviously it's about suicide, which is, which is a real issue. Like that's, you know, obviously something that kids go through thinking about some people try to do it, but ultimately the message of the film is hang on there because life if you just hang in there, life gets better. There are there are positive things that happen in life. Don't get caught up in your emotions in the moment so much. Let let it pass. Use your brain to help your heart. You know, like just start. You know, take a breather and then, or actually, it turns out then his heart is you know 
taken by my character. And that's another reason why we hold on because love makes things beautiful and makes life worth living. So it's that the it's a comedy, but it's also a romance. So people watch it um, and then it's got a Christmas element. So Mm -hmm. people watch it all year long because they have the the comedy, the Christmas element. They watch it around Christmas, but then they watch it near Valentine's Day because it's a love story. Um, And they also watch it's a comedy that they could watch just to relax. Uh, And I, I think one of the fun things for me is that it it's all it's not that long. The film still translates today. So people are, are passing this on to the next generation. And I think that is wonderful. And that's why I'm writing the book, because like, yeah, you go, you go, people who do that. That's really wonderful because it, it does make you feel good at the end, you know? Yeah. And one thing that also like and I, I was speaking uh, with someone recently, but they they talk about how like characters are relatable and everything. And I think anybody that's ever gone through adolescence can also relate to that that idea of hopelessness after being like rejected by somebody, and sure. just to see that at a uh, at a heightened yet somewhat comical um, perspective. You know, like we, we know that Lane isn't ever going to succeed at ending his own life, but we as as people can also relate to just that. Oh, I've been dumped or, well, maybe, I don't know. Maybe, maybe you can't, because you, you are the, you are the, the, the dumper in Last American Virgin. And yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's why you watch movies for me and one movie you're like, oh, you know, I love her. No, I hate her. Wait, I love her again. No, I hate her. <laughs> so that is so true. I just saw Last American Virgin for the first oh. time this week. I'm, I'm not sorry. a fan right now. I'm not a fan. <laughs> sorry. Yep. Yeah. I get it. I've watched myself in that film. Uh, it, you know, they, they've had screenings since uh, I did the film. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, I hate myself. <laughs> I, I can't believe I did that. Um, you know, it, it's the character just I wouldn't have made that choice personally. Mm-hmm. I would pick the good guy. But uh, um, no, you know, picks the good guy. Though. <laughs> yeah, well, in the movies, you know, it's always about um it's always, you know what it's, it's about confidence, really. Mm-hmm. You know, it's Rick in that, in that film, Last American Virgin, was very confident and therefore very persuasive. And if you come from a passive place it, to a girl that's very, um, it can seem almost like, well, I guess you don't like me enough to be like wanting me, like assertive. Like it's not, t- it's a difference between telling somebody what to do and being like, you know, I mean, it, that character, um, at the beginning when he says, uh, Gary says to me, you know, uh, Hey, Karen, do you have a boyfriend? And I say, no, he could have said, well, I'd like to take you out. And that would have been very attractive. Mm-hmm. Um, but because he would have said it as a statement, I'd like to take you out as opposed to, you know, would you go out with me? A little bit of passiveness. I don't know. Like, I mean, right. I'm just saying that, you know, as, as a girl, you, it's, it's, it is interesting to, it's nice to be wanted. And I think that's a, an important piece of the romantic aspect of it. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, you know, Rick would be like, you know, come with me, you're mine. Right. I don't even know, you know, it's, it's a whole different thing, but I'm sure people, you know, people can relate to that film. Last American Virgin is beautiful because it still relates yeah. decades later. And what, how I think that is incredible because we can, it's this, there's a simplicity to that film that allows the emotion 
to come out. So it's a comedy, but and then you le- you learn about you know sex, mm-hmm. and then you went, oh wait a minute, I learned about love. Oh no, like. I think a lot, I've had more guys come to me and talk to me about that film and how it rocked them than anything. Really heavy duty. Yeah. Uh, The movie takes a really, really, I really enjoyed it. I think, you know, I was enjoying a little bit of this, oh, I remember being, you know, a 17 year old boy, you know, uh, element to it. Like, oh, I remember. And then I'm like, oh, the the soundtrack for this movie, even though some of the songs repeat themselves, the soundtrack is incredible. Incredible. I don't even know how they got all those songs. Yeah. Seriously, I, I yeah. agree. It's, I was like, how did you get the police and, you know, journey? And like, how, how did you do this? It's insane. And it's an 80s, it's an 80s time capsule. Like the mm-hmm. clothing, the sub, the subject matter, just beautiful. Like, I love the fact that if you don't know anything about the 80s, watch Last American Virgin and it will tell you everything. Even mm-hmm. the fact that, you know, there is a rawness to it, you know, that was very end of the seventies taxi drivers slash, you know what I mean? It was that yeah. era of very real gritty films. Yeah. The movie takes like an odd, like tonal shift. And I really, I don't really want to spend too much time on like the dark aspect of it because mm-hmm. I want to leave that for those that haven't seen it, because I think it's important to kind of, to kind of experience yeah. that. But I knew you were up to no good when you like, even though this movie came up, came out before Goonies. I'm like, man, she's hooking up with Troy from Goonies. Like, mm-mm, this is no good. This is <laughs> right, no Troy good. Goonies. <laughs> so, yeah. It's so you funny know. you said that. Well, you know, better off. Uh, Last American Virgin was the first of the teen films. It was the beginning. It was before John Hughes. It was actually came out the same time as Fast Times at Ridgemont High, but actually we started our film before. So we were the first, Last American Virgin was the first teen film of the 80s. And after that moment of realism, cynicism, I don't know what to say, John Hughes change that all mm. those films were fun it was like candy it was like upbeat and sex and you know like just really like um then you know risky business and all that everything just had a lot more lightness to it teen films became teen films done by teens was what was made them outstanding because before that teens weren't usually used in teen films there were older you know actors used to play teens right but even, you know, I would say Carrie, uh, Carrie was interesting because um, it was sort of like a hiccup within that, that it, you know, I don't know how old they, the girls were um, when they did that film, but that was an interesting movie. Um, but it, it, it didn't, the whole teen world didn't really hit until the eighties. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. It, I mean, there was a, that massive explosion in the eighties, just, just unreal bit. Yeah. Obviously I'm trying to think of other other teen, I mean, American Graffiti a couple of years earlier, but. Mm-hmm. But they were but, older kids, though, they older were, they were actors. Older kids, yeah. Yeah. Because, I mean, it's, shit, um, you know, Harrison Ford was like 30, you know, like. Right. Uh, just, <laughs> right. Oh. It's like. Yeah. Um, kids would go watch these movies in the 80s and go, oh, my gosh, that's me. Mm-hmm. Wait, that that's, you know, which is fascinating. I mean, ki- like, again, if you're watching movies today, you might see, you know, people your age playing characters, you know, or even I remember after I after the 80s, you know, there weren't a lot of uh, tween television shows or films tween that age, like, what is it, 11, 12, you know, mm-hmm. that kind yeah. of and that exploded. So every age, I mean. I just want the audience to know if you're if you're young that obviously it a lot has happened 
since the eighties that, you know, so when you're seeing on the internet and you're seeing is something your parents never experienced, you know, we couldn't watch things over and over again. And I went through this, you know, you, you had to wait till it was on TV to see Mm -hmm. an an episode or rerun or something or pay money to go in the theater. You physically had to go. So, yeah, I had countless supply of like blank VHS that if something I would, I would just blank oh, right. it, record everything. Right. You recorded things that were on TV. I remember that stage, too. Wow. Yeah. I mean, I'm sorry. I'm, ha- I'm having a really good time. I'm kind Yay. of losing track. <laughs> um, so I want to take a second to talk a little bit about Bill and Head. Now, obviously, this role wasn't necessarily as meaty as you know, Last American Virgin, or mm-hmm. certainly not Better Off Dead, but you still have a couple couple fun scenes in that movie. And correct me if I'm wrong, but you you filmed them. Was it in Italy that you filmed? We filmed a uh, we filmed a scene. The end of the movie we filmed in Arizona. Then they we actually went to the San Dimas prom and shot that. And it was so cool. It was really fun. But then, and then they flew us to Rome to shoot the scenes in England. So we shot in a castle in Rome that was supposed to look like it was from England. And then we shot the last, we wound up doing a reshoot of the last scene in the Pacific Palisades in LA, Los Angeles. And because they just didn't want to end the movie on them going to the prom. They wanted to end them being musicians. And I think that was a really good, actually, choice, although we love the prom. And I wish I could have seen the footage to that, which was adorable, because I think, uh, as I remember, it was Keanu and I were um, like the girls were the prom queens and the guys were the prom kings. And that was we ended the film like that. So it was really cool. Um, Okay, so this is where I get this is where I get hung up, because the fact that from... From what I understand, you were Princess Joanna in the film, but that's not, that doesn't seem to like coincide. And granted, you know, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure is the first one, but mm-hmm. you obviously are the brunette and Princess Elizabeth in this seems to be the the strawberry blonde, but it like reverses in the, the sequels, which it's a crime against humanity that you weren't in a bogus journey or certainly, you know, face the music. Um, but it, it, it kind of like confuses me because I'm like, wait, it seems like there was a, a shift that happened with, with the, the characters, certainly from like a hair color perspective, because it seemed in the movie that you were with Ted, which is Keanu Reeves, but it seems that the the brunette becomes Elizabeth in the in the sequels. Am I crazy, or am, am I just remembering this wrong completely? Okay, so let's take it back <laughs> to. Um, okay, I'm going to say some things. It's very interesting. So when we uh, when I first auditioned for Bill and Ted's, and I they wanted me to do the role of the princess. I didn't even, they said, you want to play the princess? The princess didn't even have a name when I was at the audition. Mm. Like they didn't say, oh, would you play Princess Elizabeth or Joanna? They just said, we have princesses. Do you want to play it? Now I have to be honest. Like I have done a lot of leads. And when I, when they said that to me, I was like, what? Wait, what? I mean, I, I and they said, can you play princess? And I was like, oh, of course I could play princess. I can do, and I, I like did it in there, but I was like, is this an extra? Like, I have no idea. Like, I didn't even know, like, there were the princesses in the script. It was not, it, it didn't, there was no, like, 
I would say, clarity to that, okay, at the beginning. So then I get the script. And the script says, Princess Elizabeth. I am Princess Elizabeth. I am with Ted as Princess Elizabeth. My actual script says Princess Elizabeth. I do the role. Um, And by the way, you know, obviously we had a great time doing it. Wonderful, fun. Uh, The guys are awesome. We had a lovely time. And nobody knows what's going to happen with this, this film. We were actually saying, oh, my gosh, when is it coming out? When is it coming out? But they shelved it. Who knows? And it was kind of. It was just like you. every time you do a film and, and it doesn't come out, something like that, you just feel like, oh, really? Like that was such a lovely experience. And I, I would love to see that on this big screen. Then we see the movie and somebody got the credits mixed up. So they put me as Joanna and uh, Kimberly as Elizabeth. Now, when we saw that, and by the way, during the film, you never hear them say our names. Once again, Mm -hmm. a little bit of a diss to young girls, the babes, a little diss, a little lack. Let's let's go back to the objectification of women. Let's bring it back from the beginning of the 80s, right, to Karen and all that. All right. So, look, you know, I... I love the film. I never want to put a bad taste in people's mouths about it, but it definitely was a number two moment of really. All right. Not only am I this, I was a pay a princess, but now it's like, I don't my name. The name of the character is wrong. And it wouldn't have really mattered except that I started doing conventions. And so at conventions, they, people would come and they'd want me to sign their pictures or have pictures. And so I would just, I just went with it because at that time there was only one Bill and Ted's and I thought, you know what? Okay, fine. My credits say Joanna. I'll just sign Joanna. So for, for, for years I wrote, you know, love princess Joanna. (laughs) It was like Joanna, Joanna, Joanna. Okay. Then they said, oh, or a year or so. Then they come out with uh, bogus journey. Now. Oh, by the way. Okay. I'm sorry. Actually, before I did Joanna, they, um, they were going to do a Bill and Ted's too. When they decided to do that, well, Kim and I thought we were going to be in the film. Like, obviously we're going to be in the, like, of course, like that's the same role. And then they said, oh, uh, well, you need to audition. And we were like, what? Like, are you kidding me? So we auditioned for our own roles. And another thing, three times, oh my gosh, I'm sorry, but that's really like not, it's like, it's like you have a job somewhere and somebody says, um, you know what, we'd like to have you do the same job, but now you have to audition for your own job that you have right now. Like it was yeah. so, okay, that's not, that's really like not cool, not just disrespectful. And if they would have said to me, Diane, we're actually not going to have you as princess. We're going to have princess Liana or princess uh, Karen, or we're going to have Egyptian princesses or Italian princesses. That would have been fine because now we're talking about the guys having different girlfriends. And okay, that's whatever it is. The fact that they made us our own, they made us again, and then they cast girls that looked like us. Like, Mm -hmm. wait a minute. Okay, now it's getting really, like, this is getting really not... I mean, tell me if I'm wrong. Like, it just doesn't, it's just not cool. It's just nope. not cool. It's not triumphant. All right. Not <laughs> excellent. <laughs> I'm saying it because it's true. So then we do it. And then the last, um, so then obviously I go to the signings, it's Joanna, but then I see, oh, she's Elizabeth. But I was like, well, 
I thought, well, okay, well now she's Elizabeth. That's a little, I don't know what to say about that, but I, I just kept my Joanna because I was like, okay, well, who knows? I, I, that's just the way it is. And they decided to do Bill and Ted face the music, which I'm thrilled they did. And I'm glad they did it during the pandemic because we needed it. We need an upbeat film. And I love the guys. They are wonderful. I would love to, you know, I just think it's really great that we're a film. We're focused on the older guys in the story. We follow them again. Um, I thought it, actually the story was going to focus on the girls, but maybe that'll be another Bill and Ted's. Maybe it'll be a Bill and Ted four with the girls being the center of the story. So um, mind you also at this point too, so we said to them, Kim and I, because we knew when it came out, like, look, if you need us to come back, we are available. We'd love to do it because it's out of, the, you know, we just love the film and it would be great to come back as the characters. Um, so just let us know. And we made it very easy for them. Like we were going to fly there on our own. It was just like whatever you needed, we will do. And then they said, just like they did with the second film. Um, no, it, it, it this, the director has went a different way. And I'm going to tell you, I don't think it was the director who's made that decision. Uh, they switched directors. Uh, actually, they had different directors for all three movies. So my objective is not that... Um, it's, it's not a problem that they switched the princesses and they didn't take us. What, what makes me upset is that it was the same essentially the same person, the same role. So it's, we are just objects. You just right. replace them. And, you know, they did, obviously it's a guy's story. So I'm like, okay, you know, they're not going to change the guys out, but seriously, like they brought back everybody in the cast except for the princesses. So it was a major, I mean, by that time when we, in the last one where face the music came out, it was very upsetting to Kim and I like major and and it wasn't because we didn't get picked. It was because of all the series of disrespect that happened all along the way. It was about all of that. Like, you're just an object. You're just an object. You're just you're like, you're just a baby. Blah, 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 blah. That, I have to say, was my personal sadness about it. Yeah. But I didn't want to share that with people until now because. I want people, it's about the movie and it's about the happiness it brings to people. And I, I, I refused to say anything. And Kim was really upset. And I was like, I'm not going to say anything, but yeah. Kim was really upset about it. We were very upset, but it's, that's our stuff. You know, like yeah. that's our thing. Fans felt it. And that mm -hmm. made me feel good. We both felt good because when people noticed it, we were like, wow, they are noticing the ageism, the, you know, the sexism. It's like they people notice it. And that made us feel really good. Um, so it was not triumphant. It was not excellent. But at the same time, who I don't want to be in the way of people looking at that film and going, oh, every time I see it, I think of those princesses hating it. Like, no, we didn't hate it. We just we were really disappointed in being treated that way. Yeah. And it's not our movie. It's not our story. It's theirs. They can do whatever they want. And that's, that's show business. Um, but, it, but the truth is, um, you know, we were sad and we just felt it wasn't cool. It just wasn't excellent. It was most bogus and non-triumphant. All right. <laughs> yeah, no. And, and, and thank you for sharing that because I've spoken, I've spoken um, with a friend of mine, we, we, we've covered the entire Bill and Ted like trilogy on this and, and like, in between like recording, we, we, we spoke about, about the fact that there were the, the, the princesses, the babes were different in each movie. And I kind of likened it to 
the uh, the Griswolds, how like Rusty and Andre are always different, but everybody else are kind of the same in the films. But yeah, and like, why did they do that? I mean, I don't know if the kids grew up or maybe they there was a problem. See, that's the other thing. Kim and I were always available and wanting right. to do it. Sometimes actors aren't available or they don't, they, they, uh, you know, like I want more money and it wasn't like that. So I, I, I feel for those, you know, I do wonder about the Griswolds, what happened with them. I'd be interested to find out their story, how they felt, what happened. But Diane, thank you for, for, for sharing that. And also thank you for, and I love uh, all the other princesses, by the way, I just have to share. I love all the other actresses who played the princesses. They're lovely. Annette, who is in uh, part two, the bogus two, lovely woman, like just really, really nice actresses. And I would do a convention with all of them because it would be really fun. Um, it would be nice to have all the princesses together to do a convention. I think that'd be really cool. Yeah. But anyway, just want to share that because. Yeah, uh, yeah, no. yeah. Um, And uh, a friend of mine wanted me to ask this question because it's something that has driven him crazy. So you're the princesses. Which king exactly is your father? Oh, which king? Oh, my goodness. I don't know. As Mm. a princess, I, I, I probably wouldn't even... Well, I'd be in the royal family, but that's true. I wonder what my last name was. Who was yeah. I? Louis the, I don't know. And where was my mother too? Wait, where let's face it. Mother? Where was my mother during that whole time? <laughs> was she beheaded? I mean, come on people, right? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, in your, in your, um, in your book, you, you mentioned that also you originally were aud- auditioning for, for Joan of Arc. Is that correct? Right. Um, I thought I was jo- auditioning oh, for Joan of Arc okay. because I had played the French girl. And I thought by the time I got to Bill and Ted's, I'm like, oh, they're going to have me do the French girl because I probably have to say something in French. And then I realized, oh, wait, I mean, I didn't realize it at the time, but later on I realized, oh my gosh, she never says anything. Joan of Arc never talks. So it was really more about the look. Um, and maybe that's where the princess is. It was all about the look, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't, for whatever it is, that's fine. I loved playing a princess. It, the outfit was beautiful. The hair it was a dream. And honestly, I have to say Bill and Ted's was my biggest commercial success. So yeah. I'm thrilled the kids can watch it. People watch it in school. It's an exciting uh, adventure. So I hope it continues. I hope they make more of them. Whether I'm in it or not, I'm I'm done. I'm glad that they did it. Even if it's a cameo, we're getting you in the next Bill and Ted. It has Thank to you. Yeah, you know, a, a cameo. We were even saying, could we do a cameo? They didn't do anything. So it's crazy. Yeah, literally, it's crazy. Didn't... It is. It's almost like it's it's in, super insulting. I mean, even a cameo. And we were like, we'll do cameo. No, I said like it would be so funny even to see us in the audience at the wedding. That would have been mm, very funny. But yeah. even yeah. if you wasn't dressed all up, whatever. But. This is something that has not gone away. And I don't think it will. And I think at some point they're going to, it comes back at you when you don't do the right thing, whatever. But Uh, you did mention hair and you did mention uh, look and makeup, which naturally is the perfect segue to mention terror vision because I still don't understand the eye makeup. Um, (gasps) That was incredible. Right. How does that, how does that even work, that makeup? I don't know. And I don't, I'm typically not one that really pays attention to, to like the nuances of makeup, but yeah, holy smokes. Just that character, uh, without talk about a live action cartoon, that was Susie Putterman. And 
I was so excited to play this role because you were talking before about uh, being an ingenue. I played an ingenue for a lot of the roles that I played, uh, a movie called Deadly Lessons. Um, uh, I did TV shows where I played like the young, innocent girl and like all this stuff. And I, I always wanted to play someone punky, someone smarter, smart Alex, smart. Um, uh, but I didn't really look that way. Looking at me, you would say, oh, no, she'll play the nice girl or the sweet girl. And um, so by the time I got to, I don't know, like, I don't even know how it, how I got this opportunity. But because I think it was a um, not canon, it was a, oh, a, a Charles um, Band, Charles Band film. So it was like a low budget feature film. And again, I had more freedom. And so I went into that audition and I kind of just looked as punky as I could. And I just like played Susie Putterman's like <laughs> it was a parody of the 80s. And so like I could do like the valley voice, you know, and I could play a valley girl and oh, my God, you know, so it was very exciting to me to play that character. And when they hired me, I was first of all, just over the moon because I wanted to play someone who was a punk. And then when I got there and they did the hair and the makeup, you know, for the testing of it, um, the, the, the woman who did my makeup, she really was given a lot of freedom because it, we all had to be sort of over the top. So she could use bright colors and she could, you know, spray my hair and, um, and they like put not one wig, but not even two. I think they put three on this, maybe three wigs on top, but they were able to be creative, which was the best. I mean, I remember sitting there getting all my hair done. First, they sprayed my regular hair and it was like, no, that's not enough. And when they added all the wigs, it was suddenly like, I looked like one of those um, brat dolls, but brat dolls hadn't come out yet, I think. (laughs) So it was like future brat doll. It was like giant hair and tons of makeup and, um, I just think it really sold it and it made me feel more like the character um, than, you know, the, I wore the tutu with the leather vest and it just gave a feeling of, I don't care. You know, I just don't care. And I think that's what Susie Putterman has. Like she's the ability where she's, she's just teenage girl and she doesn't really care about anything, but she's, um, she's sweet. There's a sweetness to her, you know? And I, I, I just kind of, I just love the role. It was a very fun role to play. So I don't know how they did the makeup. My answer is that, but they did it out to me every day for a month. And that's how it went. <laughs> and we shot it in Rome, by the way. We shot in Italy. Yeah. You've shot in some incredible places. Yes. I was very fortunate. I, uh, in fact, actually, it's interesting you say that because uh, there's a lot of actresses. Like I thought people travel all over to do films. And for instance, my, my friend Amanda Wiss, she's done most of her films in America. Uh, because she looked like somebody to be in Westerns or it was just like more of that, again, blonde hair, blue eyes. I had that exotic look. We, I shot in New Zealand, um, Australia, Mexico. Um, I shot in like Rome. Um, I'm trying to think how Hawaii was here, but uh, yeah, I traveled a lot when I was younger, certainly for, I went to Prague for Amadeus. So it was, it was fascinating. Like, yeah, I did a lot of traveling as an actress, which I loved. I love traveling. 
first and foremost, I mean, you, you, you traveled all over and you brought up New Zealand and reading in your book, I, you, you bring up like this horror show that kind of occurred to you when you got to New Zealand. Now, for those that haven't read the book, do you want, can, yes. you, can you talk about your, your arrival into New Zealand? First of all, I love New Zealand. Like, I love it. I like, I want to go back there. It is incredible. A beautiful place. Um, and it's very easy for Americans to be in that world um, and then because, you know, they speak English. And then like the, the um, island is, you know, it's an island. So you get fresh fish and fresh, you know, food. Everything's fresh because it's, it's a small area. Things don't travel for a long time. Also, I'm a big fan of Flight of the Concords. So Jermaine, Clement and Brett, um, they are... Uh, a big, I'm big fans of theirs. So anyway, I used to watch Flight of the Concords all the time and I just love the culture, the dryness of the humor. It's, it's awesome. And so, by the way, they're also doing, um, the, what's that TV show, uh, What We Do in the Shadows? So definitely, those of you who haven't seen it, hilarious. Great show, great TV show. Uh, it was a movie, but it's a TV show. Anyway, um, so I'm not going to get into too much detail, but... When I was flying over, so I fly over from uh, Los Angeles. And so it's like a 17 hour flight or something. It's really long. Um, and because uh, you're talking about like what happened when I got to customs, is that yeah. correct or no? Yeah. Okay. So, um, so I wind up not eating. Oh, because of the time change, I wound up, I said, I, when I take a flight, I'm like, okay, I'm just going to sleep on the plane because if I sleep the whole time, then when I wake up, I'm ready and refreshed because otherwise my, I'm all off for acting. And I don't know, you know, I'm coming back. I think I'm arriving in the morning. So I fell, so I, I was sleeping on the plane and I don't know. And they were like, you know, do anything to eat? And I'm like, no, no, no. And I just went to sleep. And they're like, do anything to drink? I'm like, no, no, no. I just want to sleep. So I didn't eat or drink on the plane for the entire time I was on the plane. I'm not crazy about airplane food anyway, but, uh, so, but I would normally drink something. Okay. So anyway, um, I get there and they said to me, well, you are, um, we need to bring you to customs. And I'm just like, what? And they're like, yeah, you, you're going to come to customs. We have to, uh, we have to check your bags and like we have we looking through your bags and things like that. And we need to ask you what's, you know, about you. And I was like, oh, I'm sorry, there's a film crew, there's people, there's a producer, people are going to come pick me up from the airport. You, you've got to, you've got to, you know, there's somebody waiting for me. They're like, no, 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 no. You have to go to a separate area now. And I was by myself. I was, I think 21. And I was like, what is going on here? Like why? It was very scary. Like, I mean, they weren't so much scary as I'm in a foreign country. Thank goodness they spoke the language, but I, I was really floored. So what happened was they said to me, they, they went through my bags and like they found some stuff. And they said to me, like, um, I didn't have anything bad in my bags, but they said to me, well, you are an American actress and uh, you know, we understand you're doing a movie here. And I said, yes. And they said, well, you know, why didn't you eat on the plane? And I was like, because I was sleeping. And they're like, well, why didn't you drink on the plane? I'm like, well, because I was sleeping. I don't, you know, I was just clearing it out, like not doing it. And they said, well, you know, are you smuggling drugs? And I was like, what is happening? I said to them, I hate to say this. You have, I started to laugh because 
I'm, I know this is crazy, but most people think actors are on drugs all the time. I never did any drugs, like none, like pot, smoking pot, like not even like nothing. And it wasn't because I was a big prude about it. It was just that as an actor, you have to take care of your body. Like you can't let it get run down. You can't let it, you know, if you take a, drugs and alcohol and like all this stuff, like your body has to last you your whole lifetime. And as an actor, you got to take good care of it. I exercise, whatever. So to me, I was laughing because I thought, oh, that's hilarious that, you know, you know, you have no idea, but they were not laughing. They were not laughing. They, they were very serious. And they, they assumed because I was an actress, they assumed that I must be taking drugs. And the idea was that I put, I had put something in my body and swallowed it. And I wasn't drinking or eating because that was the drug that has to come out safely. I guess. I don't know. I know nothing about the drug world. People who are listening to this probably know more than I do. Um, (laughs) But I was, I was just like a deer in the headlights. It was like, I completely missed the whole thing. I didn't understand anything. So the, the, after, um, they found out, okay, well, all right, we'll let you go. Then I was so shows they're very strict, you know, they're strict on their, who their what happens on the plane. Um, they actually wound up uh, the crew, the cast people, whatever the producers sent me a big bouquet of flowers and said, I'm so sorry that happened to you, you know? So um, yeah, it was kind of bizarre. And that's how I started my, my film down in New Zealand. <laughs> and that goes to tell you, eat and drink on the plane, okay? So mm-hmm. you won't have any problem. Uh, like I, I just, when, you know, read about that in the book, I, I just couldn't help but laugh because I think that's just comical. Especially if you know me, it is, it's even more comical because look, I mean, I'm, I'm sure like, you know, I mean, people try drugs. That's totally fine. That's their thing, you know? But the irony of me was like, it was like saying, you know, um, you know, Princess Diana, you, you know, you took drugs, didn't you? And she'd be like, what, what are you talking about? Or, or Julie Andrews, right? Maybe she right. does take drugs. I don't know. But um, it's, it was such a, a, a funny moment for me in my life. I was like, wow, like somebody would even think that that's, that's kind of cool. I don't know. Right. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> so anyway, there are fun stories in my book. So yeah, definitely the first one is pretty cool. It's yeah, the second I, mean, one I, too. I thoroughly, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Final question for you, just because I, I'm, I'm just kind of curious. We, we've talked a lot about, about the roles that you've had and obviously the, the roles that, um, that I've thoroughly enjoyed, um, these 30 some odd years. Um, can we talk about a role that you mentioned briefly that, that you didn't get and how, how things m- may have been, but obviously, sometimes things that don't necessarily go the way that you think them still can be a blessing because obviously you're, you're married and you, you, you know, you're having your yeah, kids, kids but, and, but Amadeus, the, yes. the auditioning experience for, for that movie. Um, what was that? 83, 84. I can't remember. Uh, um, I'm, I'm thinking 83, but could be, yeah. could be wrong. I have to look at my book. Um, so Amadeus, that was a very big turning point in my life. And I write about that in my book. Um, obviously you can get more details on that particular situation, that story. But, um, as an actor, you audition for many things. You never know where, how you're going to be, how you're going to be seen by the world, how you're going to be, you, you do acting, you audition for things, some things you get, some things you don't. And it kind of directs your career. So like, I, I will say for, as an example, um, Heather Langenkamp, I love her. She's a very 
talented actress and beautiful. And she did Freddie's Nightmares, all those Freddie films. And I said to her, you know, it is was just a moment in time where you went for that audition for that film. And that director said, you're going to represent my work. You're going to be my, you know, the girl in, in Freddie's Freddie films. And it could have been anybody else, but he chose her and it changed her life as an actress. And people know her from horror because of that. Um, So, you know, like you look at any of the actresses, Brooke Shields, Phoebe Cates, um, Ali Sheedy, like ultimately, like, you know, their careers, it was a moment in time. It was a, a moment in their lives where they just got the right thing at the right time for them. And so for me, when I auditioned for Amadeus, that was a very interesting moment in my life because it really was the precipice. It was between myself and Elizabeth Barrage who wound up getting the role. And I was 21. I was right at the time in my life where my career could go anywhere. I had worked enough in the entertainment business uh, that it could have been sort of a A-list life, you know, that kind of thing where, you know, only, you know, certain films and you can only work with the certain people. And, um, you know, it, and that is, it sounds incredible and wonderful, but at the same time, it can be very limiting. And and I, for those of those people who would do those films, like A-list films, you know, you think they've all got it easy, but they don't necessarily because there's jobs that they maybe love to do. But they can't because it's not maybe to the standard that they're supposedly supposed to uphold. Um, so it is actors life's fascinating. I mean, every actor has a journey of difficulty and, and you know, you know, easy things and hard things. So I did not get Amadeus and uh, the story is in the book and it's a great story. Lovely. It is um, a great story. Thank you. And so uh, I totally tell you to read that. Um but the um, but it affected my life in a way that if I had done it, I never would have done better off dead. Probably I, I might, probably wouldn't have even been offered the the idea of doing the part. Um, and I wouldn't have certainly done Bill and Ted's or, you know, um, I wouldn't have been, you know, gotten married to my husband. I wouldn't have had my amazing kids. So it's fascinating that when things happen, sometimes you you think, oh, I, that was my, oh, I could have had that and I didn't. And if you live your life in like, oh, why didn't that happen? Well, you're missing what did happen. And I am really glad I did Better Off Dead. Like I said, uh, I don't, there's no film, no, you know, film that I would have traded that for, that experience. That was a great experience. And I feel very fortunate that I can be remembered as like an 80 I I just like all the films I mean it's great to have played Karen from Last American Virgin because that showed like one side of my acting and and my personality and you know what I can do and better off dead Bill and Ted's I just think it's it's created a lot more variety uh and people can see my um my imagination through my work so I'm very I have to say yeah that's actors have a turning point um, that was a big one. That was a yeah. very big one. I, I auditioned for Karate Kid and uh, Flashdance. And like, there's a lot of movies that, you know, a lot of actors audition for. Um, but that one in particular was heavy. It was a heavy yeah. experience. Yeah. And obviously, you know, your your career isn't certainly isn't based on the the, the films that I watch. But I will tell you, uh, Diane, if I if I can call you Diane. Yes, in, of course. Uh Better Off Dead is one of my all-time favorite films that I've seen over 50 times. 
Amadeus I saw twice. <laughs> First time I was five years old in the movie theater and I fell asleep because I was five years old. I wouldn't appreciate that. Uh, the second exactly. time I saw was about 10 years ago, just because of the fact that I remember it was always a movie that I talked about, like, oh, movies that I didn't get through. So I watched Amadeus and, and it's a fine, 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 fine film. Fantastic film. I'm, I'm, I'm so glad to have you as Monique, um, you know, and, and to have that, um, that, that character to relive each and every time I watch that movie. So while it obviously affected different things, I think the, the world is a better, better place with a U.S. Monique in it. So. Well, that is what it's about to me, what you just said. It's like, is the world a better place from the performances that you give? Do you give a performance that will reach people's hearts and um, make or make people think? Uh, I think that's what it's about. And I, I I have to say one of the things I did not expect and I'm extremely happy is that, you know, um, people have talked to me uh, and said that I like am a, an icon, you know, and my, my feeling about it is that if I if you can look back at, at me and and it, it affected your life in a positive way in the American culture. Like I've made America a better place through my performances. And, you know, that makes, that's what it's about. Like I, that makes me so happy. So the fact that you said that, um, that's, you hit me in the heart. Like that's it. Yay. That's what it's about. So thank you. Thank you for sharing that. Yay. Thank you. <laughs> um, very, 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 very last question. What's next for Ms. Diane Franklin? What, what, what's, what's, what's on your horizon? Well, so many things, and I will tell you this, I had no idea. Um, I remember when I, was ra- when I was raising my kids, somebody said to me, are you going to act again? And I said, I don't think so, because, you know, I mean, I did everything I felt like I needed to do, and I, I, I don't feel like I need to... I need to do anything more. And then of course I had my daughter and she wanted to make some movies. And so she needed adults to play parts. And I was like, okay, Olivia, I'll play the mom. I'll play the grandmother, whatever you need. Grandmother, literally. Um, And she made some, she did comedies and she made such funny movies. And so I started doing that. And then um, I started, I don't know, people started saying, Oh, what about these conventions? And I started going to conventions. And from that, I got it. I started acting again and I had done a lot of comedy. So I was like, Oh, you know, I'm looking for some drama. It would be so great. That would be amazing. And all of a sudden Daniel Farrens comes up and he says, you know, I'd like you to do Amityville murders. And that came out uh, 2019. So I play those of you who don't know the story in Amityville, the possession in 1982, I play the daughter of the uh, the Montelli family. I play the daughter in this family and it's very high energy and, and, and realistic um, dysfunctional family. And Daniel wrote a story where now I play the mother in the same story. Basically it's, it's, but this is based on the true story of the murders that happened in Amityville. Same thing. It's, it's the, um, these were about the DeFeos. Okay. So the the actual family, the actual, okay. So it's, this has gotten very confusing because Amityville is known as a haunted house, but the true story that happened was in 1974, a boy murdered his entire family. And the weird thing that happened within this family is that when the guy, when the boy murdered the family and he was 23, went throughout the house, the entire family stayed in bed and they all were on their stomach. And so the idea is that if you heard a shotgun, you'd be getting up and running, but nobody did this. And so 
everyone, it, it was a horribly gruesome, terrible thing. And by the way, the Butch DeFeo who committed the murders just died recently in prison. He was in prison. This, I think it was even, could have been this year. Mm. I, I don't know. It was just recently happened or this or in the 2020. And so, okay. So anyway, the, the whole point of this is that I was able to play the same, in the same story, the mother and the daughter and have two different perspectives years and years later. And that is, I, there's no other actress who's ever played the mother and the daughter in the same story within right. their lifetime. Yeah. I mean, that's yeah. even Jamie Lee, Lee Curtis has played herself, but grown up, which I think is super cool. Anyway, that's, she's lovely. She's, I love her as an actress, but this is, it was just fascinating to have this experience as an actor. So I did that. Um, but now I have, I can tell you some cool things to look forward to. Um, so that movie is, you can watch now and you can see even the trailer on YouTube. So that's called Amityville Murders and look under Amityville Murders film. Cause if you look under Amityville Murders, unfortunately you will probably see what happened in the murders, the actual right. murders. Mm-hmm. So it is, uh, it's not a horror story. It's more of a drama. It's scary, but it's based on it's true crime. Um, um, so now another true crime is I have just uh, I did a movie last summer during COVID, which was also, you know, that's a story in itself. That's a whole book. Um, but it was on Bundy. And now there's going to be a true con- crime coming out August 16th. And it's called American Boogeyman. And the director is also Daniel Ferens. And He's coming out with it. I have a cameo in there. Um, but the amazing part for me is that, and even before I was hired, my daughter is in the film and she's a bigger role than me. And she does an, a great job. And she actually had the audition and then it was this crazy story. But anyway, so you will see my daughter and I in the same film. And it wasn't necessarily like that. Like it wasn't supposed to be. It was, she auditioned for it first and then she got in and then he was like, oh, do you want to do this cameo? I was like, ah, yes, I do. I'll be in the same film. So we have a very heavy story. Um, and then there's a, a actor named Jake Hayes and I know him as well. He's excellent in it and he plays a detective in there. So you're going to see, and oh, and then of course, this is a very, you're going to see the film stars. Oh my goodness. Diane, don't forget. It's a Chad Murray. Oh, Chad Michael Murray. Chad Michael Murray. Thank you. Chad Michael Murray is Bundy. Oh, he plays Bundy. And Lynn Shay plays his mom. She plays Mrs. Bundy. I love Lynn Shay. And I know it's going to be great. And then um, a a nice, beautiful actress named uh, Holland uh, Roden is playing um, a detective as well. So it's, they just, just put the word out that the film's going to come out. So you're going to hear a lot more publicity on it. You just heard it from me first. Awesome. Well, I'm excited. I'm really excited. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. And then I, and one more film's coming out called High Holiday. And that's with Tom Arnold, uh, Jennifer Tilly, a friend of mine, and, um, J, uh, and Cloris Leachman. So I just want to share that that's a comedy and I'll be in there this year. Yeah. So I, I saw that because obviously we lost Cloris Leachman and, you know, just looking through, you know, her or her, what's the word, uh, filmography, her resume bio or her her IMDb bio, or, you know, yeah. and, and, and saw that and saw that you're going to be in that. Like, there's like, what? You know, so the cast in that is pretty freaking incredible. 
Uh, yes, uh, Sharon Sussman is is the an actress in there and too. I mean, there's going to probably be a lot of familiar names. Um, and it's called High Holiday. Um, it was uh, almost supposed to come out at on at what is it four twenty twenty right? <laughs> so yeah. it gives you an idea of what it's about. So so Miss Diane Franklin that yes. that's never done drugs is in a movie right. called High Holiday. Yeah. Exactly. Well, you'll see my kind of role too, which will be fun. So I'm I'm <laughs> I know excited. exactly. Um, well, you know, again, thank you so much for taking the time. Uh, where can the listeners find you if they wanna if they wanna look you up on the the social media platforms? All right, people. So I'm gonna tell you this because I have to say I've got a very fun social media thing I do because I show old footage and I I tell about new things that are coming up. I've got a convention I'm going to in Virginia in summer and I've got an, I'm going to Florida to a convention and I think London in the fall. And so there's a lot of places and cool things that I I'm doing. So it's very exciting. So here's what you do. You go on Instagram to actress Diane Franklin and then on Twitter to uh, Diane Franklin 80, no S, just 80. And then Facebook, if you want, go to Diane Franklin, but go under, look Diane Franklin under group and you will see pictures of my books, which are black and white. And that is where you should friend me because my regular Facebook is I have probably over 600 people on a wait list trying to get into my Facebook. It is <laughs> packed. So I have to say, go to the other one. That's me also. But Facebook only gives you one. So I wasn't able to open up more direct without a group. Awesome. Well, again, uh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. This has been an absolute just honor to speak with you and allow me this opportunity to talk about some of these characters that I've thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed. I've only like begun to like begun to like scratch the surface. So maybe after a couple more movies that you got that like under your belt here in the next future, you know, that I'm going to be seeing, I'm probably going to try to reach out to you so I can talk about these as well. But this has been so much fun and I can't, I can't stress that enough. I, I feel like I'm repeating myself over and over again, but this is, this has been great. I mean, you're, well, likewise, it You're is wonderful. very nice. You are fantastic. I would tell you with a French accent like Monique, remember to practice your language lessons, right? <laughs> with your wife or whoever. This is very nice. You practice uh, uh, and then have French fries, French bread and uh, uh, Peru. All right. <laughs> And I'm, I'm going to have to come back with my daughter and the other guy, Jake Hayes, and do like a promo for... Bundy too, because yes. he could. I mean, if you're into it. Oh my God! Absolutely, absolutely. And um, now I'm also I'm basing this off of IMDb, so you you never know like how like factual this is. But I believe y'all just spell uh, like just had an anniversary, correct? My husband and I. Yes. Well, thank happy, you. Happy anniversary to. The, oh, thank to the you. Thirty-two years, but I've known him for thirty. A 37, 37. Yeah. So yes, isn't that amazing? And, and he's the best. He's so funny and he talks faster than me. Okay. That's how I learned to have the gift of gab from him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. This was so much fun. This was so much fun. Thank you for, for taking an hour and a half out of your day. And by the way, um, you saw Catherine Mary Stewart, right? You talked I to did. her. I did. She's great, right? Oh my lord! I love her. Oh, she's fantastic. She, I, I think I was. I auditioned. I got like a third callback for Last Starfighter. I mean, there's an example of like our lives just go. And she's an example of an actress who really worked really hard. You know, again, like we all grew up together, like doing stuff. So, um, yeah, she's the best. So I'm really glad you you like her and. Uh, 
uh, she is awesome. So yeah, like, it's was, good to know even from other actresses. Um, yeah. Yeah. She was fantastic. And thank you for like, uh, just inadvertently, cause I was never sure if it was Amanda Weiss or Amanda Weiss. Wiss, yeah. Rhymes with kiss. Yeah. Wiss. Yeah. Obviously, you know, Beth. And then was it Tina in A Nightmare on Elm Street? And, you know, just, um, oh my God, I can't believe there's another role that I'm forgetting. But oh, anyway. for a, Amanda? Like, mm-hmm. Oh, she did, um, oh, she did a Western. I forgot the name of the Western. She's better off dead. Oh, Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Fast Times at Ridgemont High. That's it. Yeah, Fast Times. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we've had a very, there are certain actresses I have a similar career thing. Like, okay, Amanda and Amanda did Fast Times. I did Last Summer Convergen and Deborah Foreman did Valley Girl. Mm-hmm. Amanda did Nightmare on Elm Street. I did Amityville and Deborah Foreman did, did April April's Fools. Mm-hmm. Uh, Amanda did, um, oh, I forgot the name of the movie. It's a Western. She did a really famous Western. And then my famous thing was Bill and Ted's. And then, um, uh, Deborah Foreman did also like something really, what did she do? The other one thing. Um, we all had like a similar parallel kind of worlds of our careers, which I love. Like I thought, Ooh, I want to, my dream is to like do like a, a TV oh, show. Silverado. Silverado. Silver- there yeah. you go. Thank like, you. Was it Silverado? Yeah. yeah, it was Silverado. I forgot yeah. about her in Silverado. So anyway, I will, I'm going to go now because I think I can hear my husband saying, where's the, like, what are we doing for food? So I'm gonna go <laughs> I do get that. it. I get it. Um, but yeah, let me know, send me the information and I will talk to you again. All right. Please. And if, if I start doing publicity or something, I'll let you know, because Please then I'll do. like, Please do. Or, or stay in touch, you know, yeah, contact absolutely. me and let me know. And uh, yeah, hopefully, you know, uh, you, you find your way into an Atlanta festival at some point and, uh, <gasps> oh. By the way, yes, we're going to meet. I'm going to come to Atlanta and I'm going to call you. So send me your information because I'm going to contact you um, because we my husband, I want to go visit Atlanta. We've never been there. And I hear it's amazing. Yeah. And it's uh, basically it's like the Hollywood of the East Coast. I mean, everything is filmed here. Everything. Yeah, Yeah, I thought so. But you have a wonderful time. And it was an absolute honor and a treat to speak with you. So you take care of yourself. And again, happy anniversary to your husband and yourself. Thank you. And um, all the luck to, you know, your your daughter and everything that she's doing, your son, everybody just. Yeah, right. (laughs) My son, too. Right. Um, oh, I have a question. How old is your child? She's three. She's three. She's three. So she probably doesn't know anything, but tell her that the princess says hello. The princess sends her love. All right. Um, bye-bye now. Thank you. Again. All right. Bye. Okay. Thank you everybody for, for listening. We'll see you next time. <laughs>